186 of Cowboys Rocket Free, the podcast. My name is Phil Penfield, and as always, going by Philip Slavin. How are you doing tonight? If you're doing well, doing well. I'm excited to actually have some football, a, a game to talk about, not just sit here and twiddle our thumbs and find topics to discuss. Um, so that's that's a big deal. Uh, obviously, there's some soccer on, on Friday night as well, but I'm, I'm too sad to talk about Cowboys soccer right now, so let's just let's just not. But let's, let's just talk a little football on this one that we were supposed to last week, but thank you, Bailey, for that one. But we have the Iowa State game on Saturday, 2.30 kick in Boone Pickens Stadium, back for the first time since the West Virginia game at home for Oklahoma State. Feels like an eternity since that game happened, but we got some football here, man. It's going to be exciting. It's going to be a huge game, top 20 matchup in uh, at BPS, big-time game here coming up. Yeah, it's huge. It really is. Um this is this is a like you couldn't ask for a better and maybe a worse situation to come out of two weeks off with. I mean, two I guess three weeks really, because uh, two idle weeks. Um, this this it has a a massive impact on conference standings. Both teams undefeated in conference play thus far. Obviously, Iowa State at three and zero along with Kansas State. Uh, Oklahoma State at two and zero because the, the Baylor game got postponed. Um, again. This is a this is a big deal. This is I don't want to get into playoff talk because it just seems silly this season. But Oklahoma State is the Big 12's last real hope for for a shot at the playoff. Sorry Iowa State. Sorry Kansas State. Losses to Sun Belt teams eliminate you. Oklahoma Texas both have two losses. It's just if the Big 12 is going to get into the playoff, it's Oklahoma State basically having to go undefeated. Uh, the Big 12's out of the playoff this year, so I don't, that's that's the end of the conversation we have about that. But from the conference standings, the these are two of the three teams undefeated. Uh, obviously, West Virginia is still in it at two and one. Baylor, I guess, is still in it at one and one. Uh, and uh, of course, Oklahoma is at one and two. But if you're going to count them out, you're fooling yourself. So this is a big, a, a big game for both Iowa State and Oklahoma State uh, on Saturday, uh, especially if Oklahoma State wants to achieve their aspirations for this season of of winning a Big Twelve title. Yeah, and you know you've got Iowa State kind of riding high after the last couple of weeks a big win against uh, OU a couple weeks ago, beating the brakes off Texas Tech last weekend. Uh, it was 44-7 to seven or something, and the only touchdown was a blocked field goal or something like that for Texas Tech. So uh, Iowa State's playing well. It's Brocktober in heavy quotation marks. Uh, Iowa State's on a, you know, they're starting to play well. And, you know, Oklahoma State a couple weeks off. It's tough to go on back-to-back idle weeks. But I believe in this team's ability to – uh, kind of keep things rolling with the way in, in, they face a lot of adversity early on in this season. And this is going to be the first real huge test of can they compete with some of these top teams in the conference. They're ranked sixth. I don't know if they're truly the sixth best team in the country right now, but we're going to find out a lot about what this team is going to be like the rest of the season starting on Saturday. I I hate having rankings this season because it, it, it puts that kind of like, oh, it's the number 16. Like North Carolina was ranked number five last week when they lost to Florida State. Was North Carolina the fifth best team in the country? God, no. They're in that 15 range. And, and honestly, I think Oklahoma State might be around that, that 10 to 15 range. That feels about that appropriate. But because, you know, not everyone wants to rank the Big Ten because they haven't played a game. Pac-12 is what it is. OSU is sitting at, because they're 3-0, and is sitting at, at number six. And... Okay, I mean that's that's where we are. Um, so let's let's see what what that means. I, I, I just rankings mean so little this year, as weird as it is. All that matters was Saturday is you have a big contest 
um, where if you can get past Iowa State, you've got to feel really, really good about the opportunity to to get to Arlington at the end of the season. I mean, Oklahoma State's the thing for for like Iowa State and Kansas State. They both faced Oklahoma. Um, they've both gotten past TCU. Those are big. And while Iowa State still has Texas and Kansas State, OU OSU has Oklahoma, Iowa State, Kansas State, Texas, literally all in a row. So you get Iowa State, Texas at home, and then at Kansas State, at a week and at Oklahoma. So the next five weeks are so monstrous, and there's not a week off. I mean, there's literally a week off between Kansas State and Oklahoma, but there's just there's not a week off for the next month and a, a month plus for Oklahoma State. So I hope they're well rested. I hope they're wet ready. I hope they're prepared. And I, and I know we've been waiting for football, but it's not just football. You you've got the stretch of Oklahoma State season to determine whether or not we're going to know within probably the next three weeks uh, if Oklahoma State has a real shot at getting to Arlington or not. Yeah, I mean, I think best case scenario out of this stretch is for Oklahoma State to go three and one. I think, I mean, I, I'm going to put an OU loss in Sharpie. I'll just tell you guys that now. I mean, you guys have listened mm-hmm. to this podcast for three seasons. You know my feelings on playing Oklahoma. Like, it is what it is. But you got you have three good teams that you're going to play over the next three weeks. But those are it's three winnable games too. I still believe in the talent of this team that they can go three and zero over the next three weeks against uh, against Iowa State, Texas, and Kansas State. Let's not overlook Iowa State right now. But if we're going to talk about this stretch, it's huge, and it's also a very distinct possibility Oklahoma State can go three and zero, and then you got OU where we can pray, but more than likely you're going to go three and one out of those four, but. If you go three and one, you're damn near pretty close to locking up a spot in Arlington because you're probably at that point one of the only teams in the Big Twelve with one loss overall, and you know conference standings notwithstanding. Yeah, again, look if if I was if you chalk up OU as a loss, and I don't care how they've started. There's a reason that that Vegas still has Oklahoma as like the favorite to win the Big Twelve, even at one and two. Oklahoma State has the slate it still has. Iowa State's got to win a bunch of games. Kansas State's still got to win a bunch of games. And Kansas State doesn't have Skylar Thompson anymore. And we don't know how they're going to look with Will Howard moving forward. They still have a lot of games left on the schedule. Um, there's a reason OU is still the favorite to win the Big 12 because they're not out of it. And remember, they're going to get players back. Um, there's quite a few guys who, for suspension and injury, outside of – I can't think of which defensive players, but they're, they expect to get a lot of guys back on October 31st when they go to Texas Tech. So by the time Oklahoma State goes to Norman, OU is going to be playing their best ball of the season. They're going to have all these guys that were suspended back on the team. Like, you're not going to face the same Oklahoma that Kansas State and Iowa State had the benefit of facing, or even Texas, who who probably should have beaten Oklahoma a couple weeks ago. You're going to face an Oklahoma that's looking like they we all thought they were at the beginning of the season. So just understand that, and we get to that point, that's what puts that much more pressure on this game. Texas and a road game at Kansas state, because I just, that is a really tricky slate. And no, I don't think that, I don't think any of those teams are great, but we still have a lot of questions marks about Oklahoma state, um, including this week, you know, you, you've had all this time to wait and we'll get to our picks here in a bit, but like my big thing is going to be, it's a lot of time to wait. I'm not getting into the whole quarterback. We're going to play two quarterbacks. That sounds like the most Gundy smoke I've ever heard in Gundy smoke. But we expect Spencer Sanders to take a big step forward this season. We've seen him for a drive and a snap. 
Is we, we still don't know what he's like this season. We don't know. And he's had a lot of time off. He's had time to get healthy, but it's been a big break. I just, I, I, this is a big game. This is a really, really big game. Oklahoma State's in a really tough spot through this four stretch a game of a four stretch of games, not getting the game at Baylor, I think is really tough for Oklahoma state because I think they would have won that game. I think it would have been a nice warm up for them and for Spencer Sanders before they hit this four game stretch. So I just, uh, this is a, there's a lot of pressure on this game after basically spending three weeks, not getting to play football, like a game. It's just, it's a lot. It really is. This Saturday is, is, is huge for them. And yes, if they lose, they still have an opportunity to get to Arlington. I just think with as as tough a stretch of these next four games are, you really, really don't want to start with an L because that's, that's a tough stop, spot to put yourself in. And it's one Oklahoma State's put itself in time and time again. You know, usually they start conference play with a loss and they're having to work from behind early on. They've gotten a couple of big 12 wins. That's awesome. It's over West Virginia and Kansas. Kansas is going to finish at the bottom two in the conference. West Virginia might finish in the top half. That's a nice win, but this is the stretch and it starts on Saturday and you, you would be nice to, to, to put yourself uh, at the front of the line and stay there as long as possible. Then start from the back. I mean, similar to Oklahoma is having to do with, with the losses to Iowa state and Kansas state. Yeah. To give us a little bit of the Iowa state perspective in this game, Levi Stevenson, who is a contributor over at wide right Natty light is going to come on and talk a little bit about what we can expect from Iowa State this weekend and get a little bit of reflective. I mean, yeah, it's going to be an interesting interview, and I'm curious what he has to say and how he feels about this game. Yeah. Uh, Levi can – Levi is fun. I have him on my show all the time. Uh, Levi is a hoot. Uh, I assume he will be at least buzzed for the show. Well, we we welcome that. I have I have beer in hand right now, so it's all good. I'm doing I'm doing whiskey right now because I've got a ooh. What you got? Uh, it was a a bullet rye uh, that has been infused with pear. Rye is best for infusing. Rye is best if you're going to do like infusing or anything like that. It's just better than than uh, the bourbon. So, I, but rye. Uh, so I got a little pear in it. I got some really good stuff, but that uh, that sounds amazing. Oh, it's just sweet nectar of the gods. I did some so, uh, I did some blackberry peach whiskey infusion back in like, mm, the middle of quarantine that turned out pretty well. I need to get back on that trip. We're get we're getting into the fall, so I think my next batch is going to be um, some sort of combination of like orange and um, cinnamon and not apple cinnamon, like orange and cinnamon and, and something else. I haven't quite figured out what yet. Uh, it might be like a pretty good, like kind of riff on an old fashioned. The wheels I'm, are turning a little bit for stuff like that. I'm going for some fall flavors. I had an, uh, uh, yeah, I got some thoughts. I'm going to, I'm going to do something. And then I've just got a really nice bottle just sitting up there. That's just my, my, my whiskey rocks aren't cold. So I was going with this cause I'm not going to put an ice, uh, uh, an ice cube in the good stuff. Like the really good stuff. It's got to just be, Whiskey rack chill. Um, okay, uh, so uh, let's go ahead and uh, and bring our our ineb- surely inebriated guest upon the show. Uh, I will and- be severely disappointed if he's not. That's my first question for him here on the other side of this break. We'll be right back. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yeah. All right. Philip and I are now joined by Levi Stevenson. He is a contributor over at Wide Right Natty Lightning and give us the Iowa State perspective on this big game on Saturday. I'm going to say contributor is a bit. I mean, it's not. I'm mean, short selling that shit, aren't you? <laughs> he sometimes contributes to the site. As Levi, how you doing, man? <laughs> I'm offended, is what I am. Yikes, man. <laughs> this is garbage. Hey, this isn't my show. I'm just, I'm just here, you know, to fill the airways. Uh, all right. So I was told that there was a good chance you were going to have a drink while we record this. I'm assuming you have one here, right? Yeah, I've got a big ass glass of Slipknot whiskey. All right, we are going like to roll with the punches like, on this. Like the band Slipknot, it is their whiskey. Fantastic. They're from Iowa, and they have their signature whiskey at Cedar Ridge Distillery. Huh. It's really good. All right then. We might have to have a little off-pod conversation about um, some some bourbon swaps through the U.S. Postal Service. Um, so, alcohol burp. Mm. Mm. It's never as good. There's, a reason, back I've got this, there's a reason I've got this uh, nice pop filter in front because only not only does it stop the pops from my peas, but it also stops the bad odors from my alcohol burps. <laughs> yes, because there's nothing worse than smelling alcohol burps on a, while you listen to your podcast. Yeah, I have That's to smell it because it sits nothing. there on the freaking pop <laughs> <wild> filter. <laughs> We're going off the rails uh, faster. We got to bring it back quick. Philip, start us off. <laughs> this is what happens when you invite Levi onto the show. That's all I'm going to say. And this is the first time I've interviewed him, so I, I understand. Okay, this is this is par for the course. Let's be real. Let, let's just let's just establish this first time. You're not interviewing me. I'm interviewing. Fair enough. We Cheers. haven't even put this into like full gear yet. Like we're still in like. We haven't started this shit. We're all just all first drinking. Gear. We're just in neutral. It's all drinking. Um, Zoom call, which I'm, I'm a fan of, but. I don't. I don't podcast without alcohol. That's just a. If people don't a, aren't aware of that. That's the podcast beer is like a top three. Like. Yeah. yeah, it's it's up there. Like, um. So the one the one that keeps going around is shower beers. I'm not. I don't know. I've done that. It's okay. Shower beers top tier. It Shower, is. Shower beers it is. are fine. Here, okay, here's uh, the deal. Here's, there's, there's, the problem is that people misconstrue shower beers just like, oh, it's Tuesday. I haven't showered in three days. Let me crack a beer while I shower. <laughs> like, no, you <laughs> no, dirty piece of shit. <laughs> a shower beer is after doing like hard physical like labor. Mm-hmm. You're sweaty and dirty. You're going to mm-hmm. go take a hot shower. Dirty. You're tired and thirsty. And an ice cold beer while you're in a hot shower cleaning off the filth is really, really satisfying. It's not just like, oh, it's been a while and I'm starting to stink. Let me grab a beer. No, you're just, you're just an alcoholic in the shower. There's a big difference. <laughs> you're just an alcoholic taking a shower is all you're doing. There you go. I will say that another, another good top tier beer, this, it's going to sound kind of cliche and kind of corny, but first beer of, tail, of tailgate season. Oh, yeah. That's a mm. top tier beer. That's a really It cracks. Beer. It just it pops different. There's a different. There's a different. That sound. It's just perfectly, perfectly crisp. Yeah, 
No but nice. a podcast beer is definitely way up there. Very good. See, the other one for me, but it's more specific, is it's the first, like, it's the first dark, heavy beer of the fall season for me. Once it's cool enough for me to go, someone bring me a porter. Are drinks beer in the fall? No, no I drink beer all sorry, year. Not, sorry, dark beer, dark beer. I drink heavy beer during the fall. I can't do it during the summer as much. I, I, I love oatmeal stouts. I'll have oatmeal stouts if it's 100 degrees outside. Those are like, like if I have to like cut it with a knife, that's where I'm at. Mm. <laughs> Mm. It, like on the on the other side of that coin like that first like really nice spring day and you got that really nice like summer beer type you know yeah. i do like, i do appreciate on a, on a warm day though getting the good like a shandy or just something yes. like some sort of kind of fruity beer yeah all about it yeah mm. so this is this I'm is the one thing that brings though, but i'm i'm doing this for you guys this is the one thing that brings Iowa State and Oklahoma State fans together is, is a love of alcohol. Like, I understand everyone's like, we also like beer. You're like, no, sit down, sir. No, like, yeah, there's, say it's like, you like beer. You don't like, you don't like, like beer. Yeah, there's a, there's a large difference between that. And every fan base is always like, no, we love beer. Like, look, there's different kinds of loving beer. There's like Arizona, Arizona State loving beer, which is really less about loving beer and more, like, more about just loving to party and getting trashed hammered. Um, and then there's like SEC Ole Miss wearing your button up tucked in like a douche yeah, drinking right. beer, which is less about the actual beer and it's usually bad. It's more about the about pageantry the, of the whole deal. Yes. I always say Oklahoma State is, is two ag schools are just like, no, nah, we just – We, we drink, drink beer as a sport. Yes. Like, that's <laughs> just – like, it's, it's, it's not just to just – just for the thrill of – you know, it's not just like the, like the Arizona States or whatever where it's just – you're just getting just shit-faced drunk just to do it. And you're also not doing the little hoity, the the kind of the hoity toities, you know, deep south, you know, drinking because I'm with my with my friends or whatever. It's more for image than it is for actual. Right, right. It's it's for show. It's it's for show or whatever. Whereas, like good, 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 Iowa State, Oklahoma State type drinking, you know, Midwest, whatever you want to call it, Big Twelve drinking or whatever. That's that is a hybrid of the two that takes that takes a true Iron Man slash Iron Woman slash Iron whatever you identify as to get after it. So I guess we should talk some football. Eventually, we will get to football. Let's talk some football. Okay, let's just hop into the topic that gets that has become almost cliche because I almost I want to get it out of the way and I want to have like a real conversation about it. Can we talk about Brocktober for a minute? Because I don't. I think here's my thing, and I've been saying this on my show for a while. It's less about the month. It's just conveniently works. Because look, since 2017, Iowa State Matt Campbell in Iowa State is 12 and one in the month of October in games played. So it's not just about Brock Purdy. It started in 2017. Then Brock Purdy um, kicked off Brocktober against Oklahoma State 2018. That that was his first game, started on the second drive, and the rest has been what it has been. Um, And I get it. It's a twofold thing. It's a weird thing to be proud of the fact that your team doesn't get going until October and basically takes a whole month to finally start caring about winning games. On the other hand, it feels less about the calendar. I know that they're 2-0 and in October right now. I, un- I understand that. But it feels less about the calendar and more about it takes that long, really even for Brock Purdy, to get going. That's been the case last year. That kind of feels like how it's going this year and, and, and with Matt Campbell coach team. So it's le- what worries me about this game is it's less about – it's October. This is the time of the month of the year. 
and more about about game four is when things start kicking into high gear. Game five, which is what this will be for Iowa State, is when you expect an Iowa State Brock Purdy like. That's why people keep thinking they're going to win 10 games, maybe contend for the conference championship. We should be talking about Brock Purdy as an NFL draft pick kind of stuff kicks in. Does that feel like a, a more fair like explanation of it? Um, uh, yes and sort of yes. So you are correct in that it's, you know, it just, it usually takes, it's not necessarily Brock Purdy that takes some warming up. It's more the, the offense that has to get going. It's, it's the offense as a whole especially the offensive line and the, and actually I will, and the play calling, the, the play calling is almost what needs to get warmed up more than anything. Um, and so it does work out that October is just the time where they get hot because that's when people are, everybody's still healthy and the offense is clicking. That's when you go through and then you can do that. So then November is kind of hit or miss because people are hurt or whatever. Um, or like in the last case, the last couple of years, your schedule gets harder. Um, whereas this year for Iowa State is kind of the opposite. They've already taken care of, a lot of the hard part of their schedule, um, which was good. They took a part care of it early in the season, which in when in a time when ordinarily they'd still kind of be getting up to speed. Well, they got up to speed. They took care of Oklahoma TCU and Texas Tech already. Um, Texas Tech, you know, you can argue how dangerous they are, but TCU when when they want to be good, they can be good. Um, they're they're you know up and down, but when they want to be good, they can be really good. Um, and Oklahoma is Oklahoma, not not the Oklahoma of old, but they're still Oklahoma. Um, uh, so it's, it's interesting because you, you know, this is right about the number of games into the season where you really feel like Iowa State's really starting to click and they're moving, moving, moving. Um, and they're really hard to stop, especially on offense and the defense is really starting to click. Um, but you know, and that, and that could definitely be the case up to this point, cause we've seen them steadily improving every week, but they, they've looked really good the last couple of weeks. I mean, they, they, they have looked in October form in October, despite it only being the third and fourth game, you know, so it's, it's kind of, you know, it, it is part of, partly about getting farther into the season, but maybe this season is different where they've, they've improved quickly, more quickly than they have in previous season. And, it's, and it just kind of gets overshadowed by the Louisiana loss, which that we can, we can talk about that more, but I, I'm fully like, as far as it, pretty much any Iowa state fans concerned, that game never happened. Like not just because we'd like to forget it, but literally just because it's like that was an anomaly based on how they've been playing since that game. Well, but you could make that point against Iowa State's non-conference schedule most years. What they do in September of oh, that was an anomaly compared to October. Is that's a hard argument to make? But but the difference though is that when you get when you play like in September and you play like um when you play a, an fcs score you play iowa or whoever it is you're playing a few different games so you can't just be like oh it's it's a one-off thing they just started slow and then you say well they got better late in the year but iowa state's second game came out and beat tcu in their own house third game came out which you know second game is usually when we play iowa whatever but and we usually are kind of like mm. but um we went and beat iowa and then the third game which is kind of like where they usually kind of start you start to see some signs of life beat oklahoma and then the fourth game is where you start to see the lights really kind of start to turn on. And they beat TCU in a – or, sorry, they beat Texas Tech in a pretty boring game that was never really close from the beginning. And yeah. and now we're getting into that. So, you know, I, I guess you can you can sort of say that, well, every, I mean, every team gets better throughout the season. Say, well, well, if we could go back and play that Iowa team at the beginning of the season, well, we'd beat them. Sure. 
but that's you know there's multiple games where like last year it was the UNI game where that went that went to overtime and then it's the Iowa game and then you know whatever so you say like well if we went back and played both of those games now we'd go two and zero but that's two games it's multiple games where it's just starting slow a one off at the beginning of the season that then turns into the team is actually playing pretty good over the next few games that's one where you can kind of lop that off and say that's not really representative plus we because we part of it also too with that game we found out later a few weeks if we found out a few weeks later that like 30 something players had missed the previous two weeks before the game for because of contract tracing nobody actually there was actually there have not been any positive tests on the team for a long time um but because of contact tracing like 30 something players had gotten held out for the previous for the two weeks leading up to that game so a bunch of guys just hadn't practiced for like two weeks and it was like a bunch of like key players so that that factored into it as well. So that's why I'm like, it, it, in this particular season with all the COVID stuff, and then it being literally truly a one-off game, you can I'm I'm kind of lopping that off, and I think it's gonna it's going that loss is going to overshadow at least some of what happens this season. But I think it, it right now it's currently overshadowing far more than it should, especially Brock Purdy's performance. I. Speaking of Brock Purdy, here's my next question. I'm curious what the perception of Brock Purdy is to Iowa State fans. Because from an outsider's perspective, like, I think he's a very good quarterback, but he has moments of brilliance, and then he has moments where you're like, what is he doing? And I'm pretty sure he's allergic to actually stepping into a throw. What is, I'm curious because, I mean, I'm sure that you guys see some of that Jekyll and Hyde a little bit too. I'm curious what the overall perception of him is. I'm not sure if it's so much Jekyll and Hyde as it's more of a gunslinger type mentality. People said the same thing about Brett Favre for a long time, but that dude's in the Hall of Fame. Um, you know, if, if Brock Purdy is Brett Favre, I'm cool with it. Or Brock, or sorry, Brett Favre with some, with some legs, whatever. That's fine. You take, you take the great moments with the thing. It, just like every quarterback. Every, every quarterback has bad moments. You know, Trevor Lawrence throws interceptions. You know, it, so, yeah, he, sometimes he takes chances, and that's part of what makes Brock pretty great is that he, is, he takes some chances, and, he can, and that dude can thread some damn throws down the field. Mm-hmm. Um, he can he, – yes, and, you're in, and as far as the stepping up, is stepping into a throw thing, if we're, two, we're, full two, we're a full two years into the Brock Purdy experience. Um, at this point, if he, since he is still throwing off his back foot on occasion and stuff like that, it's time to start reevaluating how we look at that. Because it's not just a, oh, he does that when he's panicked type of thing. He does that fairly frequently, and he's pretty, honestly, kind of good at it. Um, there's, t- there's times where, I mean, the back foot still, he'll, he'll sail throw or underthrow under something a little bit because it's harder to control your power when you're throwing off your back foot. But there's a lot of times where he throws off his back foot, and that thing is on the money. And it, I'm at the point now, and I've talked to a couple people, another couple other people about this, um, especially, and a couple of people that are re- like really, really, really in the know. Um, one of them is Jay Jordan. He used to write for us. He writes for Cyclone Fanatic now. Um, he played football at Iowa State. He's a like, he's a fountain of football knowledge. Knows everything, just about everything you can ask, hope to know. And we were kind of both in agreement um, that throwing off the back foot is almost kind of a timing mechanism for Brock, where he uses it. He uses that weight transfer to kind of time up um, his arm throw, his arm action, and things like that. And you know, he uses that almost as an accuracy trigger for him. Um, so, yes, is Throwing off your back foot, not by the textbook, 100%. It's, it's not a textbook type of way to throw, but every guy has their own little quirks, and Brock says that he throws off his back foot sometimes. He's still pretty damn good with it, though. To be fair, I said that mostly in jest, but that's actually yeah. that's very no, interesting. But, but yeah. it's, it's something that comes up quite a bit. I know um, – oh, there's another Oklahoma State uh, – is it Adam Lunt? Adam Backfoot Purdy? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or whatever. He brings it up all the time or whatever, and, and I think I've gone back and forth with him a little bit on Twitter about it too. I mean, like – 
he's more critical of it. You know, that's, it's, that's kind of an old school criticism of quarterbacks. I mean, it's still, it's still a somewhat relevant one, but it's kind of an old school criticism of quarterbacks. Cause there's a lot of, there's a lot of quarterbacks now that throw off a kind of weird angle. When Russell Wilson, when Russell Wilson is throwing out of the pocket, he throws out of the, he throws off his back foot all the time, you know, and you know, not like in the dead center of the pocket, but Brock does that once in a while too. And he's had a success with it. He threw, uh, I'd look at his completion percentage last year, but it was like 70% or something like that. He's doing plenty well, uh, doing plenty well throwing off his back foot. And he's, it's just kind of part of his thing. So, and as far as perception among Iowa State fans, he's still, he's still Brock Purdy. I mean, he owns 21 careers. He owns 21 school records. He's going to own career passing touchdown record. Maybe this week, probably next, probably the week after. I mean, he's, I mean, he's the greatest quarterback in school history in two seasons. But I mean, so far, if I understand correctly, Brock Purdy is both Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson. Is no, he's not Aaron Rodgers. He's Brett Favre and Russell Wilson. Oh, sorry. He is Brett Favre and Russell. Okay, so awesome. Okay, so he's a hybrid. Two, he's a hybrid. Two of the, the best quarterbacks to play the game. Got it. All right. Okay, awesome. Um, all right, so to me, the key to this game is going to come down to, I'm glad we were talking about Brock Purdy, quarterback play. Uh, Oklahoma State and Iowa State have two of the, at this point, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm weird with using college football stats because there's different games played and opponents and blah, 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 blah. But two of the best run defenses in college football, Oklahoma State's in 10th overall, holding teams to 93.7 yards per game. Uh, Iowa State is 13th overall, holding teams to 97.3 yards per game. So these are two good run defenses and two teams with two of the best running backs in the Big 12 in Shuba Hubbard. Two of the best in the country. Yes. Yeah. Look, I, and that's I, not, that's I, not even arguable. Two of the top five. For sure. And look, uh, it's you can't not love Brees Hall. Like, you can't watch Iowa State and be like, like, if you just want to be the angry fan who doesn't like him because he's good, like, that's fine. fine. Go over to the children's table and, and sit with them. Uh, the grown-ups are going to sit here and, and watch Brees Hall and be like, damn, that kid is is sincerely good. And look, the Big 12's got some really, really good running backs here. You have, you mm-hmm. have those two. Letty Brown for West Virginia has been fantastic. Obviously, no more Puka Oklahoma's for Kansas. Like which running teams. back is pretty good. Puka Williams is good. Sh- shocking that Oklahoma has like multiple. Oh no, no, they've lost three running backs. The guy that's that's starting now. What's his name? Gowan. Um, Seth Gowan. Yeah, Seth right? McGowan. Like he's he's really good. Like yeah. like I know because they had um, it was Trey Sermon transferred and they had um, Kennedy Brooks opted out. Kennedy Brooks opted out. Or whatever, and then 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 the Seth McGowan guy shows up. He's really good. Congratulations, <laughs> he's the third string five star. Right? Yeah, yeah. It's like, and then, I mean, who doesn't have a good running back in the Big There's 12? third stringers on both teams, and there's third stringers on teams like Oklahoma and Alabama, places like right. that. So, and um, Brown the point is, the there's some really really good. Oh yeah, and I feel bad. Like I feel like this isn't a shot at Lady Brown. Lady Brown's going to be the guy that we're all really upset is left off the like first team All Big Twelve but there's only so much room for running backs on first team, but mm-hmm. he's going to run like a first teamer. But I mean, yeah, enough about Puka, West Virginia. Or just like Puka Williams, basically. Yeah. But Brees is legitimately good. So this is, it's interesting to see two of arguably the two best running backs, in the big 12 against two of the best run defenses, in the big 12, which is why I think this is going to come down to quarterback play. Like this is really going to fall on the shoulders of whichever quarterback plays the best on Saturday is going to be, on the team that wins because the both running backs are, are good enough. They're going to get their opportunities. They're going to get their yards. Um, these are two good defenses we've seen so far. They're two suspect offensive lines. I really think, I'm I think, oh, that point. I've, 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 offensive I've, lines. okay, go ahead. 
I would say it's run. I would say it's run blocking this year has been outstanding. Uh, if you go back and watch the Texas and the Oklahoma games, they owned in the TCU games, really, they owned the trenches. Uh, the offensive line did. I mean, Brees Hall is really good. Part of the reason he's averaging a buck 40 a game is, is, is in part to the substantial improvement from the offensive line in the run blocking games. Pass blocking is still fine. Um, the run blocking, I would say right now is playing like the best run blocking unit in the big 12 right now. Okay. It's fair. Honestly though, honestly though, it's a, if you're like kind of stereotyping there, totally fair stereotype. Cause I would say it's offensive lines have been butt cheeks the last like 10 years, 20 years. Yeah. 30 they, years. I don't know. I mean, that's <laughs> kind of a Matt Campbell staple for a long time is suspect offensive line play. I just, I think this comes down to quarterbacks. I do think this comes down to which quarterback has the best game on Saturday because I, I, I think that's going to give that team the edge in this game. So I, I'm curious what you think is the position group or spot where that will be most likely to determine this, the, the game winner. Well, I, I did want to touch on another point from earlier. Um, as far as the defenses go, Iowa State and Oklahoma State have played two very different schedules up to this point. So the total yardage thing um, is a little bit misleading. I know. Because um, Kansas has a good running back, but their offense is ass. Um, Kansas, West Virginia's offense is not good. Tulsa's, I don't, I'm just going to assume that they're not good because it's Tulsa. But um, Iowa State has played Oklahoma, Texas Tech. Both of those can move the ball. Louisiana Lafayette can actually kind of move the ball, and they held them pretty good. Um, even if the rest of the game didn't go very well, they held, you know, a team that ordinarily rushes for like 260 yards a game, they held them like 105 or something like that. And, um, you know, so I would say at this point, just because of the schedule played up to this point, Iowa state's number feels a lot more solid than Oklahoma state's. Um, that's fair. Not to say, not to say that Oklahoma state's defense isn't, or can't be good, or, you know, we, we just, it's the evidence is less solid for them. The samples so, have been so incredibly the, different. The, the, the samples are well; they have one, 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 one less game, um, but two. Um, the sample sizes, yeah, like the sample very different, are, very different schedule. So absolutely, different. they're so different. Comparing comparing Tulsa, West Virginia, and Kansas to TCU, Texas Tech, Oklahoma, Louisiana, Lafayette, or Louisiana, uh, it's very different things. Um, yeah, right. I think the most so, interesting point on Oklahoma State. Hold on, the most interesting point on Oklahoma yeah. State's defense <laughs> I found is the the defensive scheme shifted. After the Baylor game last year, first time we saw Noel shift the defensive scheme came against, ironically, Iowa State. Iowa State, yeah, last year. That's what threw Brock Purdy off. Which if is you like, go all the way back to that game since then, and the only difference between the defense last year and this year, realistically, is losing AJ Green, which is a is a big loss. Starting corner, been there for a long time. Very good sure. cornerback for the Big Twelve, um, but he's the only real loss from the defense. The defense since then, if you want to go all the way back, and I understand that we're now including games from last season, which what does that tell you? But the defense is similar enough to last year's works. Only season 18.3 points per game, 351 yards per game, 5.1 yards per play. So sure. I understand the argument against who Oklahoma State has played, and I don't think that the numbers for Oklahoma State will stay as 
great as they are once they face better competition in the Big 12. I wholeheartedly agree with you there. However, if we go all the way back to when this defense has shifted, and because you have basically the same defense except for one guy from last year, I do think it's fair to use last year's stats during that stretch with this year and use that as a nine-game run and say, I think this Oklahoma State defense is pretty dang good. Sure. The, the couple, there's a couple things there. One, the, like you said, the scheme shifted right before the Iowa State game, so they had no tape on this new defense and, 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 and it bit it bit Iowa State because that because that game was a perfect storm of a couple different factors. One, the change in scheme that the Iowa State had didn't know how to prepare for, which is the same thing that happened against Louisiana because Louisiana just started to they just manned up on everything, um, which was they kind of threw Iowa State's game plan for a tizzy. Um, but uh, you know, so last year you had the they changed the game plan right before the week, and also for some inexplicable reason, and I wanted to punch him in the throat for this. I Brock Purdy threw sixty-two passes. Tom Manning needs to answer for that nonsense. 62 passes. Why? You have Brees Hall. Why are you throwing 62 passes? You know what? That's last season. I'm not going to get mad about it. Um, so, anyways, we come back to this season. One, Lord help me if Brock Purdy throws 60 goddamn passes in this game. I will <laughs> publicly come out and start flaming Tom Manning. Holy cow. Um, but that's not going to happen. Two, this def- the new defensive scheme that Oklahoma State's running, there's tape on it now. Um, and that's, that's two really big factors. Because um, when you throw 62 passes in a game, the defense starts, stops rushing the quarterback, and they just, sit and people, they just sit robbers all over the place in different space in the center, which is where Iowa State likes to throw the ball. Um, so, yes, Oklahoma State has definitely improved from last year. I want it like and we know that their numbers are really good right now. I I just want to keep because Iowa State is a good offense. When they when they're good, when Brock Purdy is good, Iowa State is a very good offense. Um, so I think that this is the this is the real test this weekend to see is the Oklahoma def- Oklahoma State defense for real. You know if they can if they can slow down Brees Hall and Brock Purdy, then we'll be like yeah, this this Oklahoma State defense is really good. Um, I'm not trying like not because Brock Purdy and Brees Hall are like incredible and nobody can stop them or that's obviously not true but it, this is by far the best team that Oklahoma State has faced as far this yeah, season we, yeah and that's yeah, it's, totally. it's the most competent offensive team with the most with the biggest variety of weapons because like this one you know we've got tight ends that we use and you know three of them and you know you got the running back the tight ends you've got receivers you've got a good quarterback you've got a good run blocking line it's a it's a full it's a full test to complete it's a it's a really pretty well balanced offense that Oklahoma State will have to uh, we'll have to slow down. So this is the this is the true litmus test for Oklahoma State, in my opinion, both offensively and defensively, to see where they're at. Because Chuba Hubbard, still a very good running back, no doubt, as his stats anyways have taken a step back. Not to say that he has taken a step back, but his running game is not maybe not quite as explosive. Is that, is that probably a, an accurate assessment? Yeah, the, the musical chairs that Oklahoma State had to play with seemed... the offensive line early on in the year definitely played a factor. And sure. it seems to be, from listening to the guys over at Cape, doesn't like to mention Adam Watt, talk about the, the blocking scheme is a little bit different this year from Sean Gleason to Casey Dunn. And it just sure. took a couple of games to adjust. The sure. West Virginia game was bet his best game to this point. Uh, he was able to, you know, got in the end zone, had broke off some bigger runs than we've seen. So with a couple of weeks with the same offensive line, even though they sure. didn't play, but getting those guys together in practice and getting those reps, I think it's, it's going to pay. Or it'll be interesting to see the improvement from you know, a few weeks ago playing, uh, West Virginia and Kansas, or Kansas, not what Kansas was the best game, not West Virginia. My bad. Well, yep. you've taken the fact, yeah, 
he seemed off. to last year's matchup too. Uh, where obviously both he, where both teams have so yeah. Go. He go he he seemed off. He absolutely did start the season, and, and we know that he had had to take time off due to contact tracing for, for sure. COVID at one point in the off season. So, like many other things, I think it took him a little bit of time to get. I think it's taking time to get to normal. I will be curious to see if the West Virginia game carries over because if it does, I think he's back to being Chuba. Um, so uh, what I was going to start to say there too is that another contrast to last year's game is that last year I would say it's pass rush was basically non-existent. Uh, Ray Lima was not good last year. Um, Jamal Johnson was fine, but the defensive line did virtually nothing and they didn't blitz hardly at all. So they were basically just sitting back in their eight deep. This year's a different story. I would say it's pass rush is very good this year. Um, it's really good. Um, and they don't need, they don't need to bring six guys. They can bring four and, and put lots of pressure on the quarterback. Will McDonald's a, he's an animal. He's leading since, was it since November 14th or something like that? Basically the last like eight games or nine games or whatever, he's leading the country in sacks, um, at eight and a half over his last eight games, I think, or something like that. Or eight and, and half I think, been. yeah, and that's going to be where Spencer Sanders is going to have to be able to make good outside the pocket and make plays. If Shane Ellenworth was really having to play and they're able to rush for and get to him, that does concern me a little bit. But I think the running game of Spencer Sanders and his ability to make plays outside of structure is going to be the counter to that. Uh, probably. probably curious how if he if he truly is 100% from that sprained ankle we saw back in the first game of the year, then we'll be able, we'll see you know a true chess match there. And that's why I think, and that's why I think uh, I mean, I'll be curious to see when, you know, if slash when it shows up. Because the way that Iowa State started to slow down Spencer Rattler in the second half, and it actually started to slow down because what what Oklahoma likes to do a lot is they like to run these little delayed halfback um, shovel passes, basically right. You know, they they kind of come out just to you know right behind the left tackle, basically, and it's kind of a delayed shovel pass, and then they go underneath, and then the running back takes off from thirty yards. They did that first play, first time they tried against Iowa State, took off, they got like thirty five yards on it. Then from there on. Um, John Haycock put a spy back there, not only to eat up that shovel pass, but to, to kind of slow down Spencer Rattler, who was having some success kind of running around the pocket a little bit, getting a little bit of that. Um, so I am curious to see if slash, I'm assuming when uh, we see a spy, it was, it was actually because it was, they were using like a defensive end as a spy. So they were kind of creating kind of this weird leverage situation with their blitz where you'd have a linebacker or two coming in off of one side, you'd overload one side of the line, and then Jaquan Bailey would step back and spy. And there was a few times where he specifically did that and then ate up a shovel pass or ate up Spencer Rattler. So I'll be curious to see if they use that to counter the counter to the, to the, to the pass rush. Because I would say, you know, at Will McDonald, Jaquan Bailey, they, that defensive line is getting pressure from the defensive line, and it's coming from both sides. It's coming from the linebackers. It's coming from the safety here and there. Um, once in a while, they'll blitz corners, things like that. It's, not, it's still not a blitzing defense, um, but the blitzes that John Haycock draws up are uh, exotic, to say the least. Um, it's, it's a very complex defense. So it'll be interesting to see, like you said, a, a really a true chess match, because that's, that's the kind of games that Iowa State kind of tends to get into is the chess matches, especially against the Oklahomas, the Oklahoma States. They're really like the brilliant offensive teams. Those are the ones that Iowa State likes to get in those chess, mass, chess, chess matches with. And then you can let John Haycock kind of do his thing. Um, but, you know, overall, it, it's a really interesting game. And actually, one point that I just remembered, too, that I wanted to touch on um, is that you mentioned the, uh, the extra bye week. Oklahoma State hasn't played a game for – will have not played a game for three weeks. Yeah. One bye week is – one bye week is one thing. Two of them is a different animal. Especially having to get up 
before the Baylor right. game to then have to throttle the pipe down. I normally down the pipe and like has two former players, Colm Dad, and he's a kicker, and Marchie Murdoch, who is a receiver. Um, and both of them said bye weeks are the worst. Um, that you you kind of get out of your rhythm. You kind of get you, you basically kind of get cold a little bit. You have to get kind of warm back up and back into your rhythm. Um, you have kind of different practices that week, things like that. Oklahoma State just had two of them in a row. I'm not saying they're going to be rusty, but there's there's something to be said for two bye weeks consecutively. Um, whereas Iowa State's had, you know, they they are coming off of a bye week, but they've been playing a pretty steady schedule up to this point. Um, not in you know a pretty uh, pretty typical schedule up to this point. So Iowa State has the benefit of also being in a more typical rhythm going into this game. Do you have time for a second question on this podcast? No, 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 no. Dolph and I have talked about that. We talked about that last (laughs) week when we were supposed to record our Baylor preview. Thanks, Baylor. um, About having that. We recorded it anyways. (laughs) We we said some, yeah, screw Baylor. Anyways, um, (laughs) we we talked about that, that having having one bye week is one thing, help guys get healthy, move on, whatever, but then you throttle back up for game week and you're ready to go. Oklahoma State had that. They had a few days of practice to get ready for game week and then had to go back down into a bye week. Now, and then they had to get it ready, you know, get it ramped back up for Iowa State. And that kind of up and down is a little bit concerning. It really is. Even though you got, you have the game at home, it still is, it's one of those things that it's going to be, it's going to play a huge factor early on if they really are ready to play this game. The first couple of possessions are going to tell us a lot. I believe, I, I think that's, um, Fair statement as well. Um, I will say that Iowa State tends to start slow. Um, we saw it against TCU. We saw it against um, saw it against Texas Tech, and we see it. We saw it a bunch last year too. That Iowa State tends to the first quarters are usually not super pretty for Iowa State, and then they get stronger throughout the game. Um, the nice thing about um, the construction of this particular Iowa State team is that the running game is really good right now. It's not just a good running back behind a shit offensive line. And then they just kind of figure out a way to manage. It's a good running back behind a good uh, run blocking offensive line that they can use now. Now they can finally, after five years of building this offensive line from scratch with high school kids, they can finally, they can salt away a game with the running game. They can finally do that. That's something that has been something that I would say has wanted to accomplish for a long time where they can lean on the running game and then use Brock Purdy when they need to as opposed to having Brock Purdy do his thing and then just, you know, giving the ball to David or Brees and just hoping that they can do something um, to just be a cherry on top of relying on your quarterback to win. Now they can kind of lean on Brees to win. So part of the test for Oklahoma State's defense this weekend will be a more concert, will be a, a, a consistent concerted effort to run the ball. It'll be pounding and pounding and pounding and pounding over the course of an entire game as opposed to 62 passes, you know, like we saw last year, where it, I would say it is determined to run the ball. Not to – not not at least not yet to the point of being a fault, but it is uh, – I mean, it's a, it's a much more consistent running game, much more effective running game, and a much more durable running game as far as its effectiveness throughout the game because uh, the offensive line is good and they can wear down a defensive line. Uh, but obviously, Oklahoma State has some really, really good um, defenders. TJ Ford is one of them. Is it Bryce Ford? Yeah, Bryce, Bryce Ford. Ford. Bryce Ford. TJ Ford. Um, uh, Bryce Ford. Yes. Trace um, Ford. Trace. T R A C. Trace. I say Bryce. Yes, you did. Trace Ford. Okay, I knew it was a T. It was T Ford. I knew that. And you said Bryce. I said Bryce. Well, I thought you said Bryce. That's it's your. Anyways, now now say now say Amon Ogbong Bamiga. 
Eamon Ogbog and Minico. There we go. All right. Not bad. Not bad. You, you say better than most broadcasters, to be honest. Now say Inyoma Iwazarike. I'm not going to say You broke up. I couldn't hear you. Inyoma Iwazarike. Show me the phonetic spelling and I'll be fine. I'm not sure the phonetic spelling is going to help you. I, I would say that a linebacker he used to have a linebacker. I think he was from, he was he's definitely Polynesian. He might've actually been from Hawaii. His name was Matt Tuofuo. Tuofuo? Okay. Tuofuo. It's T-A-U apostrophe O apostrophe A, <laughs> A-O-U. Tuofuo. I think there was a, I think it was Bedlam a few years ago. Oklahoma State had a tight end named uh, Sione Finafeuiaki. And awesome. he got, he got tackled by Ogonia Okoronkwo from, uh, yeah. from OU. It was the greatest uh, collision of vowels. Like it was <laughs> the whole goddamn alphabet was involved in that tackle. Yeah. <laughs> no, just the vowels, all the vowels, yeah. lots of them, and yes. their children and their cousins. Yes. I do think I think it's really interesting that the series the last two years, two years ago, 2018, Iowa State comes in after the first drive, puts in Brock Purdy. Oklahoma State is not prepared for Brock Purdy whatsoever, and Iowa State gets the win. Iowa State wasn't prepared for Brock Purdy. Oklahoma State comes in last year, completely changes their defensive strategy from what they'd done up to that point. Oklahoma State gets the win. I'm really curious what we should see, what we're going to see this this year. Like, because it's two straight years where we've seen something completely other than what we expected in this game from one of the two teams. I'm just so curious. It just makes me in a in a series that has been incredibly close. Yes. Very very close games. Um, I would I would posit that this particular series over the last, especially the last five years, but even before that, um, but but especially the last five years has been the most entertaining series in the Big Twelve. Um, I would I would I'm fine with that. I'm fine with that. I was over the last five years. Okay, I'm fine with that. I mean, Bedlam has been pretty good, just because typically they're high scoring. But I this has been absolutely. Well, and, you know, I would say OSU games are. They, I mean, they have some points or whatever, but they're just good games. Like they're not like even last year where Brock Purdy threw four, I don't know, forty-five interceptions, whatever it was. That was still like not a blowout. That's still a fairly close game, even even giving everything that was happening. No, whatever. it was a, a seven-point game for most of the game. Late in the I mean, fourth quarter, it was a seven-point game. Yeah. Late in the fourth quarter, I mean, that this was, game I mean, this game hasn't been decided by more than seven points since. 2014, OSU won 37 20. Like, there was a stretch of games there, 2012, 13, and 14, where OSU yeah. was just winning handily. But the last five games, agreed, have not been decided by more than seven points. They've been close they're games. Le- they're legitimate good games. They're not like Game of the Century 9 7 snooze fests. I mean, they're, they're legit. <laughs> they're legit good game. Like, yes. I'm sorry, SEC, if your Game of the Century ended up at 9 7 and it was horrible, sit down. Anyways. Yes. Well, that's because defense used to matter. Now it doesn't matter because offense mm. matters. And so, you know. well, it's funny how overnight that, you know, when Big 12 offenses started showing up in the SEC and just obliterating people, oh, all of a sudden the SEC is a garbage defense conference now. Nur, nur. No, no, the offense is just so good. The defense is so amazing, it, but, it, but it's just really, really good. Offense. You know, see, I've, I've, heard, I've heard some other stuff from, from SEC pundits that, no, it just, the SEC is a bad defensive conference now. The, like, like they, they just, will not concede that offenses can be good. They yeah. will never cede that ground. Never. They'll say they'll trash their own defenses before they compliment Big 12 offenses. They'll never do it ever. It's I will my burn my house down before <laughs> like, I ever <laughs> like they will they will go to the ends of the earth 
to not compliment a Big 12 offense. Well, it was a Paul, Paul Feinbaum after Ole Miss and the oh. lane train put up what? 48 or 49 on Alabama's team. Oh, Alabama right. just got out schemed. They're still a really good defense. They just got out schemed. Uh, okay, dude. <laughs> You're right. They did get out schemed. Yeah, they sure. did. They got their shit kicked in. You're right. <laughs> they did. Also Alabama and they scored objectively six. nowhere close to as talented as Alabama, and they still put up, whatever, 40 however many points. It was like 63-49. Yeah. Nuts. It's like, what? They did get out schemed because that's what happens with good offensive scheme. It will yeah. beat good defense. All day, every perfect day, offense including on always Sunday. Always beats perfect defense. Yes. Period. Yep. Absolutely. Period. Yep. Period. All right, Levi. Let's see if we can get a score prediction out of you. What are you thinking for this one? So I'm trying to decide if I should stay consistent with my score prediction from my own podcast. Well, here, hold on, hold on. So let's let's ask this, Joe. I want to ask this question because I'm almost to the point where I hate score predictions because it's so impossible to accurately pick a score. Like I wonder if a better. I've gotten, with, I've gotten within four total points the last couple of weeks for the Iowa State game. Well, look at la di da. Uh, fine then. What's your score, Tom? Go ahead. So, well, Come the on, Oklahoma game. The Oklahoma game I predicted thirty-eight twenty-eight, and it was thirty-seven thirty. And then I last week I predicted. Um, what the hell did I predict? I predicted like thirty-five fourteen, or it was thirty-one four. It was thirty-one thirteen. Um, this week. Not gonna like my score prediction <laughs> um, because of the the gap due to the gap in in schedules that they've played. I think Iowa State is a far more tested team up to this point. I trust their quarterback more than I think Oklahoma State fans trust Spencer Sanders, um, or at least trust his health. Maybe um, I would say the running games are at least on par with each other, um, even if Iowa State is averaging a little bit more yards per play in the running game. Um, the passing game is maybe not quite as up to the par as Oklahoma State. It's probably a wash on offense, to be honest. Um, and I think Iowa State's defense is more is more um, it's more experienced and it's battle tested. I mean that thing that that defense has an absurd amount of snaps played on that thing, and they've got a really good pass rush. For that reason, I think Oklahoma State. I think it's close in the first half for sure. But my final score prediction is thirty-seven seventeen Iowa State. I told you you're not gonna like it. Yikes! <laughs> I'm, 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 I, I, I'm, I I understand you're gonna I'm, pick I'm Iowa State very, to win, but I, dude, I, I, Phil, Phil knows I'm I'm a noted homer, but um, oh yes. oh yeah, I knew that. But even this is a bit right. Much for you. So I wouldn't like I wouldn't I wouldn't go on that far of a limb if I wasn't like have if I didn't have some reasoning. I think Oklahoma State is going to have trouble running the ball on this, and I think Iowa State will have less trouble running the ball against Oklahoma State. Uh, so what I understand is you really don't have any respect for Oklahoma State's defense because of the games they've played. And you've decided because you beat a, an OU team that's not been very good, that Kansas State also beat in Norman, by the way, that Iowa State – you really just don't <laughs> think that the uh, uh, Louisiana game – man, I, uh, you Oklahoma's, are homer, Oklahoma's offense this is still Oklahoma's bit. offense. And Iowa State held them to 30 points. It is, but it's it's not. Sure it is. There's, there's Remember, still a, there, was a, there was a position group that got basically wiped out by COVID. Would you like to know which position group that probably was? It's the one that always plays well and has not been playing well for Oklahoma up to this point. Who's that? The offensive line. That's true. Um, but I will say that Iowa, Iowa State outgained, often, I outgained Oklahoma, which I don't – that never happens. It's usually not that oh. close either. I would say outgained Oklahoma um, in a shootout kind of. Um, I, th- and like I said, the, in the defense, 
the defense is really experienced. I mean, Greg Eisworth has played a thousand years at this point. Jaquan Bailey's been here for five. If he really wanted to, because this year doesn't count, he could come back as a sixth-year senior. Landon Akers could literally – well, he's a receiver, but he could literally come back for a seventh year of college next year. Um, you know, the, the whole defense is ridiculously experienced. There's a ton of snaps on there. It's not like it's a new scheme. I mean, it's a scheme that they've been playing for years. It's the same guys that have been playing in it for years. It's, it's really sad. Like, we know what the Iowa State defense is. We just do. We know what it is. It's going to be somewhere between 20 and 30 points for the, for the other team, probably. And they're probably going to be held below their averages. That's just, that's just what the Iowa State defense is. The Iowa State offense is, is the wild card. And the run blocking, having a sustainable running game up to this point, is a big factor. And it's not like – because Dave Montgomery, if he ever eclipsed he – never, he never eclipsed five yards a carry in his career. I think he only um, – I'd have to look it up real quick. But he only topped out at maybe like 4.2 or something like that. Like not much. Um, and he's obviously really good at just finding yards places. Um, Brees Hall is currently averaging 5.7 yards a carry, which is far and above anything that Iowa State has had in any recent memory. Um, that running game is really good. Um, and Brock Purdy, we know, can be very, very good. He's been – he hasn't as, – we haven't seen the flashy plays from him in the last few weeks, but he's actually been pretty efficient, honestly. He's been exactly what Iowa State has needed the last three games. TCU, aside from the play we shall never talk about ever again. I was just about to ask you about that, actually. Aside from that play, the which we will never talk about ever again, Joel. History. It's real bad. Um, the Iowa uh, State this season's thing is to just erase all the things they don't like from memory, yeah. and then everything is hunky dory. So they didn't lose to Louisiana. Uh, <laughs> he didn't throw the worst interception of all time. Well, they did. Actually, it was a fumble, so he, he didn't throw an interception. Oh, yes. I, I've heard you state that on your, <laughs> on your show. <laughs> actually, that was the worst interception of all time. Actually, DJ, um, anyway, um, you didn't decide how it worked this week. He still completed 78% of his passes that game, which is ridiculous. Well, really no one remembers game. that. They remember the bad interception. Right, right. That's what I'm saying is like the Louisiana game and that one play overshadows the Brock Purdy, especially in Big 12 play, has actually been pretty good. Yeah, you know, he was only 51% or whatever against Oklahoma. Well, he was exactly what they needed. He made all of the plays they needed to, that he needed to make to win that game. Same way with TCU. He was just, or sorry, with Texas Tech, he was just efficient, did his job, made good passes, made good decisions, tested the defense a couple times, maybe where he didn't need to, but otherwise, you know. He's, he's just efficient. He's just good at his job. Um, he doesn't need right. to be – he doesn't need to be 2018 Brock Purdy for Iowa State to win games anymore. He just needs to be good. Well, Reese, we, we have Brees Hall. We asked, and, and we got an answer to our question. So that we did. That we did. We you did. I'm, I'm, I know. I, I'm just I'm, – I just feel really good about this game. Part of it, too, is the limited crowd size, which Oklahoma State's fans are on their – on your ass in that stadium. They are on top of you in those goddamn paddles or whatever. <laughs> and uh, I don't hate the paddles. They're kind of cool. But, you know, there's only going to be – how many, how many fans are at the state? At their it's stadium? like – it's like 15,000 15,000. It's with yeah. 25%. Um, so, it's, you know, so it's, it's a pretty limited crowd size, so it's not like the – the crowd factor that Vegas would probably, you know, they probably still did include that in their, in their line for this game, which I think has been kind of hovering around three and a half, three points. Most of the it's week. Stay, it stayed three and a half from what I've as seen. It stayed three and a half, um, which, you know, that's so basically because home field is a three point advantage. They're saying it's a toss up on a neutral field, basically. Yeah. Well, 
with only 15,000 fans there, you're much closer to a neutral field. Now, 15,000 fans is a big difference from zero, like Iowa State had the first game. Um, but, you know, not quite as intimidating of an environment. I'm assuming that Oklahoma State will not again switch up their defensive scheme right before the game. I mean, maybe they will. If they were, if they, maybe they watched the Louisiana film, and they're just going to run all man. And then we're like, well, fuck. Like, I don't, <laughs> <laughs> if they run all man, I, and we're going to lose by 20. I don't, I don't know. I don't know what's going on here. Cause part of what Iowa State does really well on offense and part of what makes them really good is they're really good at scheming, especially their tight ends, but the receivers, they're really good at scheming them into space. They're not necessarily if like if they, if a, if the other defense is really athletic and can play man defense, I would say it's athleticism isn't um, I would say it's athleticism isn't so far and above Louisiana's where they can just, you know, out, they can just outrun all of the man defense, man, man defenders on that. And they're obviously not going to be able to do that against Oklahoma state, but not that I'm expecting Oklahoma state just randomly switch to a man defense because that would be in the big 12, that would be suicide. Um, not as, one game. as as LSU saw in that first game against Mississippi State, um, but you know, uh, pending a massive defensive adjustment from Oklahoma State, I think Iowa State will be far more prepared to deal with like, Oklahoma State's defense this time around. The offense is much better at getting actual space for a running back, so hopefully Tom Manning doesn't decide to just go full air raid in the second second half like he did last year. And for all of those reasons, I think Iowa State will. It'll be a close game for sure into half, but I think in the second half, Iowa State will start to pull away a little bit through the run game. This all is right. all new territory for me. As far as long as Iowa State's good, I'm gonna keep talking my shit because I know this thing, whole this whole thing can come crumbling down in five seconds. You mean well? You mean well? Yeah. Yeah. All empires fall eventually. <laughs> <laughs> hey, all right, Levi. Before we get you out of here, uh, plug your social media real quick. Where can everyone follow you on Twitter? Follow your work. All that. Um, it's just wideRightNattyLight.com. The Twitter handle is at WideRTNattyLT. Um, if you, I mean, I don't really tweet about Iowa like sports necessarily that often for my personal Twitter. But if you like just general nonsense, it's at Levi R Stev S T E V. Um, that's pretty much it. I mean, I started doing gaming streamings this week. My YouTube channel is Spaceman Gaming. But other than that, Levi is fun to get into uh, arguments with. Yes, I am. <laughs> Don't get angry. Just have a nice have a nice argument discussion with the with Levi. It's fun. Yeah. I tried to make all it fun. Right. All right, Levi. Hey, thanks, man, for joining us tonight. Give us a little perspective. And uh I look forward to watching you eat your words on Saturday. That's fine. <laughs> I'll have beers. <laughs> whatever. I, I can uh, soften whatever I want up. It's fine. I regret nothing because if I win, <laughs> I look like a, if, I, if we win by that, if we if we score that many points, and if, we, if that's the final score, then I look like a goddamn genius. I'll be like the I'll be like the coach that kicks the onside kick in the second quarter. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Well, thanks so much for joining us today. We appreciate it. Yep. Thanks for having me. Thanks, bud. Appreciate it. All right. Thank you, Levi Stevenson, for his blatant homerism for uh, Iowa State on this podcast. Um, that was uh, that was something. Uh, that that interview existed. I love Levi. I do. He's, no, I, that was a great conversation. But my God, I about fell out of my chair. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I, I don't. I don't feel like I am a. I don't feel like I'm a homer. I don't try to be a homer. Same. 
if I was a homer, I'd pick OSU to win the Big 12 every year. Just say that every single recruit we landed is, is underrated, should have been a four or five star guy. Like, I'm just, I'm not a homer. I will try and be as blunt and honest as I can and be fair in my, in the way I talk about things. Um, could Iowa State win this game by 20? Sure. Oklahoma State's lost back to back. He's lost to Texas Tech two years in a row and has no business losing to Texas Tech. So crazy shit happens with Oklahoma State football. Let's just call it what it is. Yeah. Is that something that I look at this game and I look at these teams and I look at the situations and go, Iowa State's going to pull away offensively in the second half? No. All right, but, you know, whatever. So let's start on offense here. Let's go back. Let's give a couple keys to the game on each side, just some, you know, just general thoughts that we want to see. On offense for Oklahoma State, what what are your just initial thoughts? How does Oklahoma State find a way to just, you know, put points on the board? Because this is going to be a fairly good offensive game for both teams. Both teams have good quarterback play, good weapons. It's They're going to put up points for sure. Levi is right, and we read the stat. Iowa State is a really good run defense. They are a good run defense. It's hard to run on Iowa State, um, even with Chuba. Even if the offensive line is playing better, it's still hard to run on Iowa State. The The offensive game plan is going to have to force Iowa State's defense to open up to allow for, for better running lanes, like it just is. Um, if they're loading the box, it's not going to work. So you need to throw to the outside. Um, and I want you – it's more. It's about the passing game. I want to see throws to the outside. I want to see quick throws to the outside. And I, and I, want, and I want to see – then put Spencer Sanders in situations that are easy for him, play to his strengths early in the game to get him comfortable and get him going. Don't put him in tough spots early. Please don't force him to do crazy stuff. I'm fine if you don't throw deep till the second quarter or the third quarter. I I know that's not fun. That's not what we want to see. That's not what this offense wants to be. But don't don't force things into your uh, the offense you want to be let the offense run about what the strengths are as he gets comfortable in playing a game again he has played one drive and one snap this season if spencer sanders is the starter on saturday which we all believe he's going to be if he's truly at 100 i don't buy the two quarterback system smoke i just don't i that's that coach speak nonsense it's the, like i don't so if he's the guy let him get comfortable don't ask too much of him early let him get comfortable and then go. Now, here's the thing for Iowa State's defense. We can talk about run defense all day. Um, Spencer Sanders' ability to run the ball, his legs are what opens up the run game. Yes. It's what happened last year. Chuba was able to have more run lanes because they had to account for Spencer. We saw Spencer go out. They loaded the box even more to stop Chuba, and Chuba struggled because you had an okay offensive line again last year and a, a not mobile quarterback once – Sanders was out. So I hope he's 100% because that factor is such a big deal for Oklahoma State that I don't care how good your run defense is, if, if, he, is, if he is escaping and he is gaining yards, it's going to open things up. So put Spencer Sanders in good positions. Uh, that, is, that is key number one for me. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go to the offensive line. I think this is going to be a huge test for them. Iowa State is able to rush for and get to the quarterback. They're, they've been able to do it. They were able to do it against Oklahoma. Oh, take whatever Oklahoma State's off, or Oklahoma's offensive line was in that game. Oklahoma still has enough dudes in the two deep to be able to put together a good offensive line, and Iowa State was still able to get to it. 
And I will, if there is one benefit, if I can, if you can try and find one to the back-to-back bye weeks, it's being able to continue the continuity of the musical chairs Oklahoma State had to play on the offensive line. They seem to have found something that worked in the Kansas game, called Kansas game, whatever. Oklahoma State was able to run the ball really effectively. And it was at spring, it's now what? Springfield, Sills, Schneider, uh, Woodard, and Jenkins. And that's that was the that was the group against West Virginia. So that'll get a little bit better, played a little bit better against Kansas, even though they didn't play a couple weeks, getting those reps in practice, getting that continuity with the rest of the offense. It, let's see if that pays any sort of dividend at all. If they're able to keep Spencer Sanders, give Spencer Sanders enough time to make some throws and open enough lanes for Chuba and LD, it's going to make a difference. And all you have to do is just do enough to get, let Sanders get rid of the ball. I'm not, I'm not looking for some crazy A-plus miracle game from the offensive line, but we've seen, we saw the week-to-week improvement there. Let's see if that's continued even despite not being able to play another opponent uh, on the other side of you besides your own teammates. My, my biggest – gonna... yeah, Go ahead. I say my, my biggest key, though, is I, and it kind of goes hand-in-hand a little bit, but Spencer Sanders has to hold on to the ball. He cannot turn the ball over. We saw it last year. He was very turnover prone at times, bumped the ball a lot. He made some really stupid throws. We need to see the progression early because here's the thing, and I'm not trying to start a quarterback controversy at all, but Spencer Sanders, if he turns the ball over a lot in this game or even a couple times, I think Shane Ellenworth showed enough that you can trust him with this offense to go and put up points and go and make enough plays to keep Oklahoma State in the game. I think the leash is going to be tight on Sanders' recklessness with the ball. And just – I'm going to call it what it is. I, I, if he can – if Spencer Sanders, as much as I – as high as I am on him, if he can't take care of the football, there is a capable backup in there that Oklahoma State would probably show the willingness to go to in a, in a spot where a couple turnovers, they'll, they'll throw 16 in there and he'll go and make some plays. So we've talked about Oklahoma State on defense a lot. And one of the things we keep talking about is that third down defense. Yes. Two, three down, three, three games, they have allowed seven third down conversions out of 43 attempts. So success rate of 0.163. Now, again, Kansas is thrown in there, and they didn't allow TC, Texas or Tulsa to, con- to convert one. So a lot of that was done by West Virginia, which is arguably the best team they faced so far. And they still held them to what it was what they were what six for twenty something mm, on third down. That sounds right. I'd have to go either way, like it was still a good number. Like they were still getting off the field on money down for just what matters. Yeah. Um, Iowa State's been pretty solid on third down for the season. Oh, I just no calculator clap I just closed. Uh do 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 they're completing 43% of their third down attempts. Okay. With the exception of one game. TCU held them to three of 11. So you take that game out, they're completing like 47, almost almost half of their third down attempts. So Iowa State's a good team on third down. I think Kolar is a big part of that. I bet if I went back and actually tracked the third down attempts, you'd find that he's been a big piece of that. That tends to happen. Um, I think that's a big thing here. I think that's a situation where Oklahoma State, yeah, West Virginia was 6-17. of 17. So six of the com- seven completed third downs against Oklahoma State 
or West Virginia. So there you go. Um, I think that's a big thing for Oklahoma State. Get off the field. Don't, don't let Iowa State string together long drives. Big play is going to happen. It just is. You're going to give up a big touchdown. You, you did it against Tulsa had a big play. Iowa, or West Virginia had a big play. It's okay. One big play is not going to kill you in this game. They've been really good on third down. They have got to stay really good on third down. You cannot let them convert and make long drives. This defense is really good. But, and it, there's some depth to it, but the, the point that Levi made on Iowa State pulling away at the end of the game is not entirely by pounding the rock with Brees Hall. It's not entirely inaccurate. Like if they're able to put long drives together and Brees Hall is running and running and running, he's had a week off. He's going to be rested. And they run the crap out of him. Like they almost run him more this season than, we, than OSU did Chuba Hubbard last year. So understand that. Like, but he's rested. It's still early in the season. He's going to be okay running the ball a lot. They have got to get Iowa State off the field. They've got to keep this third down defense that is so good, so good. They're, they're going to get some. That's okay. Um, to that end on the other side, the defense is good, but don't put them in spots where it's they are forced to be good, better and better and better when they're exhausted. Offensive drives have to happen. You have to. It's not even about turnovers. You can't be having a bunch of three and outs. They have got to keep the offense on the field. I don't want to see a situation where the defense is great in the first half, but by the by the start of the fourth quarter, they're so gassed that it turns into an offensive shootout. We haven't seen enough from Oklahoma State's offense to this point to go, yeah, they can win a shootout. They have had to win with defense. Again, take the Kansas game out of it. I understand they look good against Kansas. Everyone looks good against Kansas. You have to take that game out. Spencer Sanders hasn't played much. This defense is good, but don't put so much on them that they are not going to wilt at the end of the game, but be unable to live up to the expectations we have because we put so much on top more on them than they can handle. This is a really good defense. This is not a bunch of guys who are going to be hitting pro bowls. I'm just, let's just be blunt about this defense and, and the, the talent on it. It's a really good defense. It's not Alabama. So it doesn't have the depth of a team like that. So don't put so much pressure on them that they can't help win the game. Uh, to, to the end of getting off the field on third down, they're going to have to find ways to get a good pass rush and keep Brock Purdy uncomfortable. And they have, they have the guys to do it. They have the defensive line. It's not necessarily crazy depth, but they have enough talent there. The edge rushers having Calvin Bundage, Trace Ford, Tyron Irby showing a little bit of it as well. Being able to get after the quarterback and force Brock Purdy out of structure is going to do a lot for this team. He's able to make plays out of structure, but having to do it consistently, I don't know if he'll be able to do it. He's not going to be able to throw off his back foot when he's running out of the pocket. You've got to find ways to keep him honest and when it gets to third down and you get to third and long and obvious passing downs, it's going to matter. It's, you're going to have to get out the field. And part of that is getting Brock Purdy out of structure. And if Oklahoma State can do that, it's going to lend itself to getting a field on third down or force turnovers, especially if Oklahoma State has a lead in this game late like they did last year. And Brock Purdy will force throws. He, he kind of has that gunslinger mentality, as Levi mentioned, that he's willing to force the ball into a tight window. And it led to multiple turnovers last year. In the same, you know, by the same token, it can lead to the same this year. Getting after him and getting a couple sacks, hitting him early like they did last year is going to pay off big time for this defense early on. 
All right. Uh, score and uniform. All right. Um, I, I've kind of gone back and forth a little bit. I think the second bye week has made me think about it a little bit more. But I do trust the Oklahoma State defense to make a play late. They did it last year. They made multiple plays late last year to keep Oklahoma State in that game. And I think they're going to be able to do enough on offense. I think the weapons are there. If Spencer Sanders is really healthy. Then I feel good about where this offense is going to be at to be able to make enough plays to win a really close game. This is going to be a very tight game. It's going to be a sweaty one. We're not really going to enjoy it, be able to truly enjoy it because it's going to be stressful from the opening kickoff through the clock. It's triple zeros. I'm going to take Oklahoma State 33-30. I think they make a stop late to hold on here at home. All right. Um, I understand the notion that uh, Iowa State starts slow. I do think this is a bit of a slog early. But this feels like a game because of all the time off where Iowa State gets a lead at halftime. Um, kind of like that TCU game, Oklahoma State makes a charge in the second half but falls just short. I think this is a game where I believe Oklahoma State is the better team than Iowa State. And if all things were equal, Oklahoma State would win this game. That three weeks off, not having the game against Baylor to get Spencer Sanders game reps before having to go through this four-game run puts Oklahoma State in a really tough spot against an Iowa State team that's coming into the spot where it tends to play its best football. And Brock Hipperty tends to play his best football. I think Iowa State wins this one close. Again, I think they hang on for the win. I think OSU makes a valiant run at it, um, but comes up just short late. I just uh, – F Baylor. That's, that's going to be the motto for the rest of the season if, if things go poorly because I'm going to blame them for the fact that they couldn't get their shit together and we couldn't have that nice warm-up win before we had to go through this four-game stretch. So I will either be correct and sad or, or incorrect and happy uh, on, uh, on Saturday night. All right. Well, we'll see who's right there. Uh, let's. What do you have a uniform prediction for this one? I I think Iowa State's white, white, red. So they it are takes wearing, out a white helmet for me. They are wearing the combo they wore for Brock Purdy's debut win back in 2018 when they came to Stillwater. That is the uniform combination they are wearing. On, yeah, I'm into that on Saturday. I'm gonna say. Afternoon game, 2.30. And I will go. I feel like Black Helmet's the right call here. I'm going to go. I'm going to go Black, Black, Orange. That's exactly what I was saying, too. I was saying Black, Black, Orange. Uh, And I think it's going to be that. The really busy, the Paisley helmet with all the details and stuff on it. Um, that's what it feels like. Feels like black Paisley helmet, black jersey, orange pants. Give me that kind of the chrome brand on the side that they wore last year since Iowa State on the road. That's a nice, a nice helmet. Yeah, I'll go. I'll go black, black, orange, just like you, and we'll see where it goes. Uh, this is gonna be a really tough game. It's gonna be a tough game. It's gonna be a fun game. Well, not fun at all. I'm actually probably going to hate my life for three-ish hours. So get your get your beers ready, folks. Uh, You're going to need them one way or the other. You you will need them one way or the other. Absolutely. Stock uh, up. Yeah. All right, Philip. Where can everyone follow you on Twitter? 
The only person here, OKTXAR Poke. You can follow my show, the 1012 at 1012 Podcast. We have anywhere podcasts are available. Of course, we're on Twitter at 1012 Podcast, T E N, the number 12, the word podcast. Follow me at JT Penfield. Be sure to follow me on the site at Cowboys RFF. We'll be back after the game against Iowa State. We'll recap it and any other Oklahoma State news that should come up over the next couple of days. We'll talk to you all then.